if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us as we get rolling at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Feels like a Monday for almost all of us, doesn't it? It's the eighth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Hope you had a great um, Labor Day weekend. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, got some really much needed rest and relaxation time. Uh, enjoyed the day off yesterday. Hopefully you did as well. If you didn't and you worked through it, well, God bless you. That's the reason we celebrate labor, because some of us uh, actually are doing it uh, when we're when everybody else is relaxing. So uh, thank you for all of all, uh, for all of those who work through the holiday weekend. And of course, I speak more specifically of those working on the front lines in terms of hospitals and medical care. Uh, so thank you to all of you. Uh, we are going to pick it back up with a vengeance this morning. And we have a just a huge show for you. Uh, three superstar guests are coming up on the program. The first one in about 12 minutes. Congressman Jim Jordan normally joins us on Monday. He will be with me at 920, 12 minutes from right now instead, to talk about a host of issues, including... The presidential campaign, uh, which has now picked up in earnest now that Labor Day has come and gone. This is when the real campaign starts for the presidency of the United States. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan about a host of things, including uh, uh, the accusations against President Trump and his language about uh, uh, fallen veterans. So that will be coming up with Jim Jordan at 935. This is a huge, huge uh, guest because she is rising as a political superstar in the GOP ranks. And I'm talking about South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. She's in Cleveland today, and she's going to be in Columbus later today for a couple of events. And uh, she is helping to support the president uh, presidential campaign of President Trump. And she's also got some other things that she is uh, looking to advance and uh, to expand upon. She will join me at 9.35 to talk about those issues. Then at 10.10, as it is a regular Tuesday, Peter Kirsten and I will be here. And Peter is going to talk to us about some very important things including and especially Peter is an expert on in these areas on race. Peter of course is a black man and Peter is very very uh conservative. He kind of is the model for Larry Elder's movie Uncle Tom. He has dealt with the slings and arrows of those who uh, attack him for his uh conservative positions despite his race. And Peter is going to talk about critical race theory. Critical race theory being taught and being trained in corporations and in businesses 
all over America. It is some absolutely crazy and, yes, dangerous stuff that is being taught. Critical race training is not only dangerous, some suggest, and this is where Pete as an attorney comes in, uh, may be illegal. It is extraordinarily discriminatory, among other things. And we're going to talk to Pete about that as well as the 1619 Project curriculum that is being advanced in a number of states and school districts, including here in the state of Ohio, I am sad to say. We talked about this um, as the negotiation-slash-discussions were going on um, in the Ohio State Board of Education meetings last month. And we talked to Lisa Woods, who is a member of the Ohio State Board of Education, about that curriculum. It is very, very biased. It is very, very derogatory. It is very, very divisive. And it is very, very fictional. It's rewriting American history through the lens of far leftists who wish to paint the United States as an irredeemably racist nation. 1619 Project uh, curriculum being advanced throughout the country. President Trump is trying to put a stop to it and has suggested, in fact stated yesterday, that he will withhold federal funds from districts and schools that teach the 1619 Project as anything even close to being reality. It's not. It's fiction. And yet it is still being advanced because we are in the uh, you know year 2020 of wokeness. And that's what it is, it is all about in 2020 is wokeness, especially if you are not down with the cause of BLM, which leads to 1619, critical race theory, et cetera, et cetera. So we're getting into all of those things this morning, and I really appreciate you being here. You're not going to want to miss any of them. Jim Jordan, Christy Noem, and Peter Kirsten, now the guest today. You can also join us as a guest at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, and we'll get you up and on the radio. Uh, one way or the other. I do want to start with the story that rocked Washington and maybe the country, certainly the Twitter sphere and online social media uh, over the course of the last four days, and that is the allegation made against President Trump by four anonymous people. At least that's what the Atlantic says, that there were four. We don't even have any clue if there was one or if this is an Atlantic fairy tale. But they claim to have four sources that uh, accused President Trump in a 2018 European visit to various World War II historical sites and World War I historical sites that he refused to go to a cemetery or was not permitted to go to a cemetery and de uh, derided the um, fallen uh, who are in those, you know, in, the, in those cemeteries as being losers and suckers that he didn't care about visiting these particular uh, grave sites because those lying in those graves were losers and suckers, talking about American heroes who fought for this country in two world wars. Um, it should go without saying that I don't believe anything could possibly have happened, anything of the sort. Donald Trump has been the most pro-military, the most pro-military president of my lifetime. And I'm talking about his support for veterans, specifically wounded veterans. He revamped the VA completely after it was just in such a shambles during the Obama administration. Its leadership was, was so lacking. He revamped the VA. He has rebuilt the military. He has given billions and billions of dollars to make sure that our vets ha or excuse me our active military personnel have the most sophisticated and uh, safe 
uh, uh, weaponry and defense uh, uh, mechanisms and so on and so forth that we have ever had. He has absolutely adored our military in every instance in which he has encountered military, maybe with the exception of um, the Gold Star family and the DNC four years ago, the Gold Star family that decided to become politicians and kind of forfeited their status as Gold Star members for a night uh, and instead used that opportunity to attack Donald Trump. Donald Trump attacked them back, and they played the, you can't say that about a Gold Star family. You remember that nonsense. And perhaps with, of course, his ongoing very public feud with John McCain, those are about the only instances that we have seen of anything of the sort. But he has been accused instead now, though, of uh, attacking uh, soldiers who fell in the line of duty and calling them losers and suckers. The one problem is that while there are four unnamed sources who say that this happened, there have been no less than 20 sources who were firsthand eyewitnesses uh, uh, giving their own accounts of what happened on that trip who say it just never happened, including one man who's got an axe to grind and a book to sell. John Bolton, John Bolton, Former uh, uh, Trump's uh, national security advisor, John Bolton, was on that trip. He has since been booted from his job. He wrote a book about Trump talking about how bad he was. He is not a fan of the president, but he is not going to lie about the president. And when you have somebody who disagrees with the president as much as John Bolton does, willing to say that this is a lie, this carries some weight. According to what that article said, uh, the president made the... Uh disparaging remarks about our soldiers, the people buried at the Anmarn Cemetery, uh, in connection with the decision for him not to go to the ceremony that was planned that afternoon. And and that's that was simply false. I don't know who told the author that, but that was false. And I recounted that in uh, in my book, The Room Where It Happened, and, and uh, re- reaffirmed that in response to questions the next day. John Bolton is just one of 20 people who were on that trip who were with him and by his side and said that never happened. And so the lie is being exposed for what it is. And we're going to get reactions to that lie coming up. Jim Jordan will be our first guest right after this timeout on AM 1420, The Answer. Twenty-one now the Valpo Branch Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's dive right into our first guest. As promised, uh, he normally joins us on Monday, but he was taking a break from his labors on Labor Day, as uh, were most of us. Congressman Jim Jordan back at it this morning on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Morning, Bob. How are you doing? Did you have a good holiday. Uh, do- yeah, very nice, very nice. Needed the rest and relaxation. Hopefully, you did as well, yeah. Congressman. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, let, let's uh, let's get right into this, Congressman. I just wanted to get your reaction to what the rest of the country has been talking about for the last three or four days, because the mm-hmm. Atlantic ran a story uh, that the left has picked up and run as it's got to be the God's honest truth, because four anonymous individuals who would not put their names to a report. Um, alleged that President Trump two full years ago, of course, they would not have mentioned this two years ago when it happened in their shock and, mm-hmm. and, and disgust at such a terrible thing, says that the president called soldiers lying in the ground in France um, losers and suckers, and that's why he didn't want to go and visit them uh, on a trip uh, uh, to Europe in 2018. 
Um, I'm just going to let you have at it here, Congressman. What do you? Well, no, it's it, everyone knows it's ridiculous. Everyone knows it's fake news. You got 15 people who said this is BS. This is baloney. This is fake news. You got four, as you said, anonymous people say, "Oh no, no." It's, it's, so who are you going to believe? The 15 people who were there in the room and are willing to go on the record, or the four anonymous sources written by an article uh, written by an author in the Atlantic? And the Atlantic author, think about this, Bob. They could have also quoted John Bolton, who gave the reason that they didn't go, saying it was the weather. They could have quoted him, and they were certainly willing to quote John Bolton all kinds of times just a little over a year ago, or a little less than a year ago during the impeachment. So, come on. Everyone can see this for what it is. There's a reason why fake news was trending, I think, on Friday or Thursday, whenever this story came out last week, because everyone knows it's just that fake news. Well, you know, and, and John Bolton, by the way, yesterday came out. First of all, he, de- he denied this ever happened a couple of days ago. Uh, then yesterday on, uh, on uh, or excuse me, on Sunday, uh, on Sunday morning, he mentioned specifically and said this is absolutely false. He was there the entire time. This was never said. And also, Zach yeah. Fuentes, the top aide to General John Kelly, who, of course, was chief of staff yeah. at the time, yeah. uh, said absolutely not. I was also by his side during this, and it did not happen. And, quote, do you honestly think General Kelly would have stood by and let anyone call fallen marines losers um no, and that's not. exactly can you i mean and, and that this would be kept silent even after john kelly was fired as, as chief of staff even after all of yeah. the things general mattis was was uh, was removed as defense secretary that they were all going to just sit by and keep this quiet honestly no and, and the, the left does not uh, the left is not holding to the i mean the left is not ad- adhere to the truth the left, left the left will just say whatever they think helps them and in their mind, the end justifies the, the, the means. And the, and the end that they want is they want to try to get rid of President Trump, and they've been advocating since before he was, was elected. The other thing I will tell you is I've been around this president a lot, and I know how much he does care for our troops, for our law enforcement, for our veterans. I have seen him in the Oval Office signing things. He, he tells me about the times he's had to sign things for, for, to families who have lost someone serving in uniform for our country. I know what this president is like. And that is, this is not even, this is such a joke. And again, I think the American people see it. Yeah, I think so too. Let's pivot to the economy uh, in the in the age of COVID uh, and in the year of COVID specifically, Congressman. On Friday, we learned 1.4 million new jobs were created. The uh, unemployment mm-hmm. rate fell sharply once again. This is still with the pandemic raging, or at least being per- perceived to be raging. Insofar as that, there are still many states with with lockdowns and restrictions on businesses and restrictions on jobs, etc. And hours, um, despite all of that, the economy is it was just on such an incredible solid ground prior to the pandemic that it is coming back far faster than anybody ever could yep. have imagined it would do you think the yep. american people understand that that that's because president Tr- of president trump's policies of course they do the american people are smart uh they get it and, and the great american comeback the great the great trump comeback is happening in spite of Governor Cuomo, Governor Newsom, all these governors who continue to keep so much of their economy in their respective states locked down. So in spite of that, it's still roaring back. I mean, I, I've been around our, our, our district. You can see it, the manufacturing sector. I mean, people who, who manufacture things for the RV industry, the RV industry, as you know, has been taking off. So there are, and there are all kinds of areas of our economy that are coming back so strong. But imagine what it could be if you had these Democrat governors Quit playing politics and actually focus on what's best for the people they get the privilege of representing. That's that's the that's the tough part. But uh, I do think the American people see it because the American people are smart. 
I think the American people are smart enough to see through this as well, Congressman Jordan. Uh, a Princeton study has just been concluded, uh, studying three months of Black Lives Matter protests. And the intent was to show that they are overwhelmingly peaceful. But the report has revealed mm-hmm. that uh, 570 violent demonstrations have been documented in 220 separate locations all across the country. Now, bigger picture, that is a minor, uh, a small portion of the number of protests that have gone on, which were over 2,200. But it doesn't matter. How about the fact that we have had 570 violent yep. Uh, riots yep. and 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 assaults, et cetera, et cetera, in these uh, in these past three months. That is unacceptable by any standard. Yeah, and and the left will not condemn it. The left will not uh, speak out against the violence. I always go back to six, seven weeks ago when Attorney General Barr was in front of the Judiciary Committee, and he point blank asked the Democrats, "Why won't you speak out against the mob? Why won't you speak out against the violence?" We now know it's real. We knew it was real then. We actually showed the videotape during the hearing. And, the, and, and Jerry Nadler, every single one of those Democrats was silent. They will not speak out against uh, the, the, the chaos that's going on in, in so many of our streets. Look what we saw last weekend in Rochester. I mean, that, that is people just, just, just having dinner with friends and family and folks come in and just up, you know, uproot the table, destroy things and, and run them out of the restaurant. Uh, that is the kind of ridiculous thing that's going on. And we need someone to get It happened in, in Pittsburgh Instead also made, this weekend. Pittsburgh, yeah, it happened the yeah. same way. Uh, people yeah. were supposed to be just protesting, marching through the streets, yelling through bullhorns, going off into outdoor dining areas and, and, and harassing people, getting in their face, taking their food, taking their drinks, and, and just, again, intimidating people. It's, this this yeah. is no, in no way. Just because they didn't smash a window doesn't mean that was peaceful. No, of course not. And, you know, I go back to what they did a couple weeks ago. Uh, you think about... 60, 70-year-old uh, ladies who, who've served in the Republican National Committee, were part of the Republican Party uh, Committee uh, structure, walking out of the White House, and some young punk, some thug, some, some protester who's causing all kinds of chaos is screaming in a, a lady's face. I mean, that is so disgusting to me. And, yeah. and the, the idea that the left will not condemn that, will not speak out against it, is just ridiculous. Uh, Congressman, limited time here, so I want to get your thoughts on on uh, Peter Strzok. Uh, Peter Strzok, one of the two forlorn lovers, of course, who were, was behind the uh, the beginning of the uh, Russian hoax, mm-hmm. the Russian investigation into President Trump. He's got a new book out, so he's on the tour, and he is defending the FBI probe into the Trump campaign uh, way back in 2016 because. He said Trump was a national security risk. He said any mistakes that were made in getting the warrants to uh, to spy on the Trump campaign, anything that was done wrong was just because the agents were so overworked. These were just innocent mistakes made by guys who were too weary and, and dead-eyed to understand yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, so overworked that, uh, what, 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 remember when he was in the, 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 the Walmart in rural Virginia and he said, I could, it's so overworked, he was talking about smelling the Trump support in a Walmart in Virginia. This is... A, Again, this is so ridiculous, these, these folks. And, and saying the president's a national security risk, the national security risk is when you had the FBI spy on the president's campaign, use a secret, uh, go to a secret court to get a warrant based on a false document to be able to spy on the president's ca- uh, campaign. Uh, a security risk is when 49 times 38 different people unmasked Michael Flynn's name and they set him up, go after a three-star general. You talk about lack of respect for our troops. How about that? So... This just ticks me off when, 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 when these guys say these kind of things, because everyone can see this for what it was, too. The FBI systematically sought to go after the president's campaign. They spied on his campaign. They lied to be able to do that. 
and it was wrong from the get-go. And then for them to come out and accuse us of what they're actually doing, it, it should make every single one of your listeners just, just mad as heck. Yeah, and, and that's a routine occurrence. They are constantly accusing the right of doing exactly what they are doing. As a matter of fact, I don't have time for it now, but the left, uh, a number of far-left groups are saying they are worried about right-wing violence in the streets if Joe Biden oh, wins the election. There's oh, been God. no indication of right-wing violence. You, you know, all yeah. those 570 of, uh, incidents of rioting that, that we just talked about, yeah, they are all being done by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, two decidedly left-wing organizations. Congressman Jordan, thank you for coming in on a Tuesday. I you appreciate bet, Bob. your time, sir. You bet. All Thanks. Right, we'll talk to you again next week. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get out now for our news. And on the other side, uh, a, a superstar. There's no way to describe the huge meteoric rise of South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem in GOP circles. She spoke at the RNC, and she is going to be speaking at two events in Ohio today, in Cleveland and in Columbus, and she will join me next on AM 1420, The Answer. At 9.35 now, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us on this Tuesday. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan, another outstanding conversation. And this is one I've been looking forward to for some time. And even long before I heard her speech at the RNC, a lot of people are calling her a rising star because of the speech at the Republican National Convention. But uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem uh, was a rising star long before that, simply for allowing freedom to stay free in her state. She did not lock down her state with the draconian measures that we have seen here in Ohio, and certainly a number of Democratic governors have done in their states and continue to do so. And South Dakota has thrived during this very trying pandemic time for so many others. And we're pleased to welcome South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem here to Ohio. She's in town today uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Governor. How are you? Good morning. Great to be with you. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here, and I'm so glad to hear that you are in the Buckeye State. You've got a lot of very important uh, things that you're doing today in Cleveland and Columbus. Uh, and, and I'm glad you're here to support our president as well. But before we do that, I want to talk about what you have done in your state. Because the most important thing to me that I have seen uh, in this you know, t- year from hell that we call 2020, the age of the pandemic, the, the, the COVID-19 viruses, you said, you know what, we're going to keep our people safe. We're going to be monitoring things, but we are not going to rob them of their freedom. We're not going to shut down businesses and shut down all of our schools and, uh, and refuse to allow people to live their lives in the face of this pandemic. Can you tell me what went into all of your decision making and what is South Dakota doing right now? Now, as um, some at the federal level say that a new surge of pandemic or uh, COVID cases is coming. Well, we had our first cases back in March. I think March 10th was when we identified our first cases in the state of South Dakota. But I had opened up an emergency operations center uh, back in January preparing. So I listened to my health officials, uh, my state epidemiologist, my uh, secretary of health and my um, experts within my hospital systems, but I also consulted with my general counsel and uh, several attorneys that specialize in, um, you know, our constitution, the state constitution and the U.S. constitution, and found out what my authorities were as governor, uh, what I did not have the authority to do, and then used all of that to make every decision uh, going through the last several months. So, you know, we did not uh, shut down any businesses in the state of South Dakota. I didn't even define what an essential business was. I didn't feel I had the authority to tell you 
your business wasn't essential. Uh, never issued a shelter in place or mandated masking. Really, what I did is I told the people of South Dakota that I was going to be transparent. They w- I would give them all the information that I had uh, and, um, and honest, and that I was going to trust them, give them the flexibility they needed to protect their family, but also keep a roof over their head and food on their tables. So we're doing very well in South Dakota. We've um, you know, got less than 100 people in the hospital. Uh, the experts told me I'd have up to 10,000 in the hospital uh, at one time, and we have not seen anything close to that. Uh, our economy has been named the strongest in the nation, where our unemployment rate's below 6%. Um, I actually ended the year with a budget surplus, and our sales tax is going through the roof. That's really all that we have. Um, in South Dakota, we don't have an income tax or a personal property tax. So uh, people are coming, they're visiting, they're moving their businesses there because they've appreciated the fact that I counted on folks to use their personal responsibility to make decisions that were best for them. Well, I can tell you this, there are a lot of people who appreciated it from afar, and I'm one of them. A lot of people here in Ohio looked at what you did there and said, you know, you just said you never defined what a, uh, you know, an essential business is, because it's not your, you know, it's not in your job description to determine what's essential and what isn't. Can you stop by the governor's mansion today and explain that to Mike DeWine? Because he has decided what is essential and what is not. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a Republican, obviously, here in the state of Ohio, Governor Nome, but, um, he's been acting like one of the big city or big state Democrats governors with respect to uh, the limitations he has placed on us here? Well, I'm here today to talk about the president and why we need the president in the White House. Um, you know, I know that all of us as governors made very different decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can tell my story um, and I can tell about the benefits of what that meant to um, our people in our state. And I've always said, even when I ran for governor, I talked about the fact that I believed South Dakota was a small state, but we also could be an example to the nation. And I think we never recognized or thought that it would happen during a pandemic, but but it really has been a place where we've utilized and not overstepped our authorities, and it's benefited our economy, but it's benefited our families there, too. So it is a, a way that we can be an example of how conservative policies and flexibilities really do um, help people live free. Um, Governor Noam, let's tie your segue into your campaigning for the president here in Ohio to the COVID story, because um, Vice President Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee, has said that if he is elected, he will absolutely shut down the entire country. Now, I don't know that he really understands the limitations of his power, but how do you feel about having a potential president telling you as the governor of South Dakota that you cannot do what you have done, and that has made the decisions to allow people to be responsible for their own safety and allow them to continue with commerce as uh, buying and selling and so on and so forth? How will South Dakota handle a potential Biden uh, lockdown? Well, we would have a difficult time following through on that if, if if I just can't think about what the day after the election would be like if Biden were elected. All of his policies, his viewpoints are wrong for this country. Uh, what he would do to our economy, the taxes that he would impose on the people, the um, Green New Deal, uh, the elimination of fossil fuels, what that would do not just to Ohio, but to the entire country. And then also... Um, the mandates that are unconstitutional. We are seeing it in these Democrat-run cities every single day. And I'm hoping that the people in this country recognize the tragic consequences uh, that are that are impacting those folks that have to live in that type of situation. So this is, um, there's never been such a clear choice 
uh, between what Republicans stand for and what Democrats stand for, what President Trump is fighting for and fighting for you every day versus what Joe Biden would do if he were given the chance to be in leadership. Listen, if you have a leader that oversteps their authorities in a time of crisis, uh, that's when we lose this country. And Joe Biden's been very clear that that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to overstep, take away states' rights and people's freedoms to promote an agenda that isn't what our history was founded on. So, uh, you know, this is, I'm here to have real honest conversations with the people of Ohio. You can't win the White House without going through Ohio. And uh, mm-hmm. you came through for the president last time. And I'm reminding folks why this election is so important. Yeah, it is crucial. There's no question about it. Ohio has to stay red. There's just no doubt about it. We're talking with uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem on AM 1420, The Answer. At your RNC speech, Governor, you talked about the violence that continues to rage in this city, or in this uh, country, rather. And you said, quote, Democrat-run cities across this country are being overrun by violent mobs. The violence is rampant. There's looting, chaos, destruction, and murder. Um, How would you respond to liberal talking points being advanced by even Joe Biden himself that say, you know, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, you you fear what this country will look like the day after a, Vi- a Biden victory. Liberal organizations are saying the day after a Biden victory will be extraordinarily violent because right wing groups are going to tear the country apart. There has been no evidence whatsoever of right wing groups being responsible for all of this extraordinary violence that you mentioned at the at the uh, at the RNC. Do you think the American people are fooled uh, by that kind of rhetoric as to who's really behind the violence? I think there is uh, enough of an agenda in the media that they want to muddy the waters and um, distort the real truth out there. So uh, it's very clear if you look at these cities who's um, who's perpetuating the violence, uh, that it is um, left-wing um, socialist uh, folks that are trying to change our country and doing it through illegal means. And that's really why President Trump, you hear him talking about law and order, about the fact that When you break the law in this country, there should be consequences. And everybody has an equal opportunity to be successful and to be treated the same. And and that is why I'm constantly pointing towards leadership, that that cities where we're seeing the violence are run by Democrats and have been for years. And they're allowing this to happen. And that is why uh, there's so many um, tragic stories out there is because of their lack of leadership or their um, agenda that they're trying to perpetuate going forward. So it's it's shocking to me. I think the American people are waking up every day. Uh, if they turn on their news, if they look out their window and they see what's happening, um, they'll realize that no mother wants to raise her child on the streets of Portland today. Uh, no family wants to live in downtown Seattle and have to try to go to school, go to work, run a business in that type of an environment. And we all have to put ourselves in their shoes and really think about the fact that that could come home to every single community in this country if we don't elect President Trump again. That is very well said. Uh, we're talking to South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who's in Ohio today. She's uh, got stops in uh, Cleveland here and in uh, Columbus a little bit later today as well. Um, Governor, you are also raising funds right now for something very important you called the Capital Freedom Project. You know, all these vi- all of the violence that we're talking about, or at least many of those violent episodes that we are seeing in cities all across this country, started with the tearing down of statues and monuments. We all know 
that radical leftists have called for the elimination of statues of even people like George Washington, the father of our country, Thomas Jefferson. And they have even suggested blowing the faces of the presidents off of Mount Rushmore in your state. Not only do you oppose that, obviously, you want to actually enshrine those faces on the Capitol Dome. Tell us about that. Well, when uh, when South Dakota's Capitol was built, there were four alcoves that were built into the dome on the exterior, and there was never any statues um, placed there. Um, they've just been empty uh, since it was constructed. You know, when this whole conversation got started in the country about tearing down monuments, tearing down our history, uh, you know, we talked about Mount Rushmore. There was threats against Mount Rushmore, and I said I would defend it and work with the federal government to make sure that it was always going to stay and be a testimony to the individuals who led our nation through challenging times. But as I started to look at it um, and see other states allow their statues to be torn down of flawed individuals, absolutely, but people who contributed to our history and our country and making it what it is today. And I I realized that, again, um, while the rest of the country was tearing down statues, that we had an opportunity in South Dakota to be putting them up. So I am raising money. Uh, People can go to freedom.sd.gov and contribute. We're going to use all private funds to put four statues of the four men that are on Mount Rushmore in those alcoves on the outside of our Capitol Dome. So at freedom.sd.gov, we're taking private donations to ensure that while everyone else in the country is tearing down our history, that South Dakota is honoring the individual's who led our country through difficult times, but also gave us a firm foundation on which we can still live today. Governor Christy Noem gave a very sterling speech and very widely uh, praised speech at the Republican National Convention in support of Donald Trump and uh, uh, his reelection. Tell uh, middle-of-the-road Ohioans, Governor Noem, one more time, those who may still be undecided, and I think a lot of people are pretty firmly entrenched in camps right now one way or the other, but if there is somebody who just can't decide if they want to go uh, over to uh, Team Biden uh, on November 3rd or prior to that in, in uh, mail-in voting, tell us once again how important it is to reelect the president. You know, this president uh, gets up every day and fights for the common man. He's created more jobs, higher paying jobs for everyday people, given them more money in their pockets through tax reform. He's fought to protect their freedom to worship, to assemble. Um, He also believes that the law applies to everyone. He's not going to wake up every day picking winners and losers. He believes every single person in this country is special and deserves an opportunity to thrive. Um, When you look at the consequences of what Joe Biden has put forward as his platform, it is the exact opposite of all of that. He has said he's going to take more money out of your pocket. He's going to regulate you more. He's going to limit your opportunities to assemble and to worship, that he's going to take away the chance for you to raise your children with the freedoms and liberties that you've been used to. And he's going to uh, contribute to raising uh, energy costs and making sure that your dollars that you do have don't go as far because everything will be um, escalated in eliminating uh, fossil fuels and regulations that will cost our businesses more. So, uh, you know, he's been very clear and um, on what he believes, and he's gone even farther left in this campaign than I ever believed he would. So this should be easy for an everyday person in, in this country and in Ohio that uh, that really does want to keep and raise their children in the kind of lifestyle that they've always enjoyed. 
I think that's very well said, Governor, and I really appreciate the sincerity with which you said it because um, it is it is crucial that we uh, that we achieve all of those goals and we continue the growth that was started under President Trump for the first three and a half years prior to, of course, uh, the virus and the pandemic. And even in the face of that, the economy is already roaring back despite all of those challenges. Um, and uh, President Trump certainly uh, needs to be reelected for that reason. Last thing, and I think I know your answer before I ask it uh, because you don't want to talk about this kind of thing, but I love the sound of Trump 2020. And I know a lot of people who have said, boy, I like the sound of Gnome 2024. Any thoughts about your future? No, no, I'm I'm uh, so happy to be home in South Dakota and uh, governor. So I'm just here helping this president. So thrilled to thrilled to do that. That is exactly what I expected, and I certainly appreciate and respect it. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask somebody like you about your future plans. <laughs> Governor Noam, thank you for visiting. Thank you for being in our great state today. I hope you enjoy uh, your your stay and your events, and uh, thank you so much for joining us on the air this morning. Anytime. Have a great day. Thank you. Christy Noam is the governor of the state of South Dakota, and she is, as I said, she's a, she's a superstar on the rise. Make no mistake about it. And I knew she wouldn't talk about that because she's here to campaign for Donald Trump. She's not talking about 2024, but I love the idea. And I love the, I love the idea that uh, it's in the heads of people around her because uh, she could be a serious, serious player in 2024. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody this morning about that. It was Peter Kirstenau off the air, who, of course, will join us at 1010. And I said, that field in 2024 is looking so incredibly stacked to um, continue... President Trump's leadership in 2024, people like Christy Noam, people like Nikki Haley, people like Tim Scott. There are so many individuals that I think would be outstanding candidates uh, to uh, continue the work of President Trump four years from now. But as for now, we'll take a quick time out and we'll come back. Got time for a call or two if you want to get them in before the top of the hour at 216-901-0945 right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Nine fifty six now and fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks again to South Dakota Governor Christy Noem. She's uh, she's quite an amazing uh, political leader. Uh, she has just bucked the trend of shutdowns and lockdowns. Uh, in her state, declaring essential businesses versus businesses that we can do without. Uh, she is she is just doing it her own way, and it's working, and she's done it the right way. That's why South Dakota's economy has grown so incredibly well, while everybody else's has shrunken during this uh, this pandemic lockdown. Did anybody take note, by the way, when I asked her about Governor Mike DeWine, and she just skipped right over it, didn't not even want to talk about him, saying, well, I'm here to talk about the president? Um, I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason for that because she absolutely uh, does not agree and does not support what Governor Mike DeWine has done. And the fact that, let me say this, the fact that the state of Ohio, which is so crucial to the president's reelection campaign, always is, we know this, no president, no Republican rather has ever won the White House without carrying the state of Ohio. We all know the stories by now. But the fact that the Republican Party has to bring in a governor from another state to campaign for and support President Trump is very telling. Because I haven't heard Mike DeWine campaigning for President Trump at all. I haven't heard Mike DeWine, 
who a lot of people call a rhino, and that might be too good for him. I have not heard Mike DeWine doing anything to support the cause of the president's reelection campaign. He wouldn't even meet with him the day that the president came uh, to Cleveland or to, uh, to Ohio. Rather, you remember the story. Um, I tested positive for COVID. Yeah, sorry, can't be there. Six hours later, oh, took another test. It's negative. We're all good. See ya. I, I mean, you know, Donald Trump needs Ohio desperately. And Ohio's Republican Party is doing nothing for him. The ORP is doing nothing for Donald Trump. And the, the governor of our state, Mike DeWine, won't do anything. They had to bring in Christine Nome from South Dakota to campaign for Donald Trump in Ohio. What is going on with the Republican Party in this state? It's unbelievable. Let me get a quick call in here from Nancy in Cleveland before the top of the hour. Nancy, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob. Uh, what would be a good thing to do is if you could invite the mayor or one of his assistants to let us know what kind of protection and safety is he going to have in place if Donald Trump should win and those uh, rioters come back in and want to bust everything up. I think that's a great question, but I think I already know the answer. They're not going to do anything. Because the reason, you know, we, we know, and I know you know this, Nancy, I'm not speaking to you, but, but, but I, I, people understand that police are handcuffed. Police are not allowed to do anything to stop the rioting, to stop the violence, and to try to head it off before it begins, because they're the ones who are accused of brutality. They're the ones who are accused of excessive force. So the police are going to be victims if, if, uh, uh, if uh, there is violence, if, Joe, if President Trump wins again and the left goes nuts the way they are in all of these cities now, they're going to be allowed to go nuts because the police are not allowed to stop them from uh, exercising their First Amendment right to peaceable protest. Ha! Peaceful. Thank you for the call, Nancy. Peaceable, obviously, is what they are not. And the police are not allowed to stop them, believe me. If the police could stop them already, they would have done so a hundred nights ago in Portland and in Seattle, and in Minneapolis, and, in, and, and all over the country where in these Democrat-run cities where uh, the violence has raged on. So in Cleveland, if President Trump wins re-election, will the Black Lives Matter and Antifa crowds come out into the streets and go nuts again? You better believe they will. Will Cleveland police be able to stop it? You better believe they won't. And it's not the fault of the officers. It's the fault of the leadership. We'll be right back.